0: All right, well, um, maybe one of my favorite movies of all times, uh, those, those things go in and out of order, um, but one of them would be a movie called Rushmore. Have you seen this movie? Um, it's not the cleanest of movies, and so it's not that I'm giving you a full recommendation for it, um, but uh, the, the basic premise of this is there are two really incompetent men who are chasing after a woman they have no business chasing after. Um, and one of the, 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 men is a high school student, um, who says, I know how I'll win her over. I will build her a multi million dollar aquarium. Um, and so he gets investors and he gets all these things. He gets the news to come out and builds this aquarium for this woman and has this big ribbon cutting ceremony and she doesn't show for it. Stop it, Siri. Uh, she doesn't show it for it. And in one of the greatest lines of the movies, uh, one of the dejected men is telling her, you know, he built the aquarium for you. And she responds, well, you know, I never asked anyone to build me an aquarium, (laughs) right? And in a way, this could describe um, Isaiah 58 and God's response to the people, because the people say in verse 3, why have we fasted and you've not seen it, O oh Lord? They're saying, We've, we stopped eating for, for days and you're not hearing our prayers. And it's almost as if God says, I never asked you to stop eating. <laughs> I never asked you to fast. And that, that's somewhat true because there's only really two times in, in the Old Testament that, that God says and commands Israel to fast, um, but only two. And yet, There are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of places in the Old Testament where God tells Israel to care for the most vulnerable, to show them kindness and mercy and justice. And so it's as if God is saying, if you want to fast from something, let's try fasting from oppressing the poor. That's one thing we could stop doing for a little bit. And so that's the theme of this morning. I I had, had... thought of titling the sermon, Close Your Church If, um, but I thought that was a really negative way to approach this subject. (laughs) Um, So we're just going to talk about justice. Justice is, and that's what we want to fill in. What is justice? Justice is what? Justice is worship. Justice is social. Justice is beauty. And that's the three steps that we're going to look at this morning, that, that justice is worship, social, and beauty. So what do we mean when we say justice is worship. What we mean by that is that justice is essential to worshiping God. It is, it is required of us to do that. I mean, look at the implications of verse 2. Verse 2 says, for day after day, they seek me out. Now, when it says, you can leave the verse up there, when it says, seek me out, that's another way of saying worship. They pray. They pray. They sing songs. They give offerings. They're doing this daily. Do, do Christians go to worship daily? Not, not usually, right? This is kind of a, a once a week thing that we, we typically have. But they're doing it daily, right? So day after day. So just to give you the, the, set the setting for who these people are. And then it says, they seem eager to know my ways. Which could also mean they seem eager to know the law of God. They, they, they have a high view of God's moral commands. They have a high view of obedience. So you have people who are worshiping God daily and, and are highly obedient to God. And I would say for 99% of evangelical Christianity, we would say that's all it takes. Like worship and obedience? I think that's what it means to be a Christian, right? In fact, I think probably some in our room here go, that seems to be it. Is there something else missing? Well, there is one key ingredient missing as this passage is kind of laying out for us here. It's they're saying, God, why aren't you hearing our prayers? we have doing all these things and you're not answering our prayers. In verse 6, such a good passage, such a good verse. Verse 6 says, God says, is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? To loose the chains of injustice? And so God is saying, you know what worship I love? You know what worship songs that, that, that sing to my own soul? It's the one that goes, you know, let, let, let's, let's dismantle unjust practices of the rich. Is that is that a catchy tune that you sing on the radio? <laughs> That's not the one that we usually hear from uh, worship now or anything like that. Like this is this is the worship that God says this is what I want. Let's sing that type of worship song. Why? Because God so identifies with the poor that if we ignore the poor, we ignore God. Proverbs fourteen thirty one says, "If you oppress the poor, you insult the Lord." One for one. 19.17 Proverbs says, If you give to the poor, you give to the Lord. What is wild about this is that God says, I so closely identify with the poor that when you you give them food, bread, a coat, you are giving it directly to me. That's how tightly God identifies with the poor. That's what Jesus said in in our liturgy. We talked about that when they said, when did, we, when did we ignore you or when did we not give you these things? He's like, when you didn't do it for the least of these. That God so identifies with the poor that when we, when we do something for the poor, we do it for the Lord. There is that tight of a connection between God and the poor. There is something at the heart of God that we are missing if we are apathetic to the poor. You cannot be apathetic to the poor and say you love God. Those two things don't work together. If you're apathetic to the poor, you're apathetic to the Lord. And so what this is telling us is that justice is worship. Justice is, it's an act of worship. You cannot worship God and ignore justice. They are, they are, they are so essential that worship and justice are inseparable. You can't just say, no, I'm going to go have my own private worship service over here and ignore the poor. God says, I don't want any of that. You can't be right with God and wrong with your fellow man. It is that essential. God says, don't just fast while ignoring our brothers and sisters around us. I don't want any of that. And it's the same message he gave at the beginning of Isaiah in Isaiah 1. This whole book kicked off this way. And God says through Isaiah, like, be gone with these meaningless offerings I mean, imagine a church saying that. I don't want your meaningless offerings. I mean, that's what God's saying. I don't need your meaningless offerings. I don't want that. He says, I turn my face away when you raise your hands in worship because it's fake. I hate all your pretense and show. This is the disgust God has for this fake worship. Why? Because justice is the great symptom of a real faith with God. It's as if God is saying, your actions speak so loud that I can't hear what you're saying. Your actions speak so loud that I can't hear what you're saying. How can you love God and be apathetic towards someone he loves? It's as if you told me, hey, Slim, I love you, but I hate your kids. (laughs) You know, that'd be awkward, right? I'd be like, we're not going to (laughs) connect. You call me. I won't call you. Uh, right? That's what it's like. God's saying, how can you say, I love you and I hate the poor? They disgust me. But God says, then I have nothing to do with you. I want nothing to do with you if that's the case. Because justice is the great acid test of a life connected to God. If you love God, you love the poor, you care for the hungry, you clothe the needy. That's what it is. So justice is worship. It's that essential to the walk of, of Christianity. But also, justice is social. Now, sadly, in our day today, there is a crusade against this term social justice. <sighs> uh, it's, it's, it's as if it's a, uh, uh, an allergic word. Uh, as as if it's a bad word. Well, you will find at this church, we we never have that coming anywhere near uh, (laughs) our front doors. In fact, we actually use the term in our values as a church, that biblical values should produce a heart for social justice. We believe because social justice, like justice itself is intrinsically social, meaning justice is intrinsically caring about the people around you. Like a king, when the job of the king was to administer justice, to rule justice, to give people their due, it's to care for the people around you. That's what justice is, is to give people their due. Now, when we think of that in justice, we usually think of it in two ways. Uh, one is this retributive justice, and one is the res- restorative justice. Now, I would say most of us only think of it in that first way, though. We think of retributive justice, and we think um, courtrooms, we think lady justice, we think balancing the scales, we think sentencing people for crimes they've committed, and we think that's justice. And that, it, in a way it is, right? Like that's the negative form of justice. It's, it's giving people what they're due. If they've done wrong, you, you give them what they're due. And so it's retributive justice. And that's, how you, that's pretty much all we think of when we think of justice. But I would say most of the Bible and this passage itself is just dripping with the second one with the restorative justice, of what justice is meaning to go towards. Like, restorative justice is the positive side of what you want a just society to look like. So remember, God said in verse 6, you know, he says, what kind of fast do I want? He says, is this not the kind of fasting I have chosen? To loose the chains of injustice and to untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and to break every yoke. Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? Oh, like, do you see how social justice is? It is all about our neighbor. It is all about caring for the people around us. It, it has to be social. Like, and, and then it says here, we, we read that it, it loses the chains of injustice, but it says the untie the cords of the yoke uh, later it says, and to break every yoke. What is a yoke? A yoke in, in, in olden times here is, is this tool to, to burden animals, to control them, to do, you know, farmer's work, right? And the Bible uses this term all the time, and it, and it says here that God's work here through you is to loosen yokes, and it's to break every yoke, every unjust structure that is grinding my people down into the ground, you are to break. You are to uproot and to get rid of. And so what I think we need to see about this is, this isn't just an individual type of justice. There is a system out here when God says to break the yoke. Like, you can't just say, I'm just going to pray for the schools. As much as we do believe prayer works and prayer does amazing things, it's not just praying for the schools, but it's being in the schools and changing the structures of schools so that they actually allow for kids to flourish, right? And so it's to break the yokes that have been oppressing and grinding kids down. It's, it's thinking about this in the ways of, of, of the poor as well. It's not just enough to just say, I'm going to give you a couple bucks at the stoplight. Yes, we'll talk about that in a second. But it's more than that, Right? Like, what is putting people on the the streets to be able to have to beg for money? It's breaking yokes that forces someone to have to beg. That's not the way we are meant to be. And God says, this is the type of fast I want, is to break these systems that are beating people down. And so it's systems, but it's also individual. I mean, verse 6 is mostly systems, but verse 7 is very individual. Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? So yes, it is also personal as well. It is caring for someone one-on-one on one as well. It is not one or the other. It's both and. And so God says, if you want to fast, fast from your self-centeredness. Fast from only thinking about yourself. Quit ignoring the suffering all around you, because there is no individualism in the kingdom of God. Ooh, that's a hard one for us Western Christians. So individualistic. We make our faith individualistic, but this passage remind us that there is no individualism in the kingdom of God. There's a, there's a great pastor, um, old theologian, back in 300 ADs old, uh, a guy named Basil the Great. Now, if you want to call me the great later in life, I'll take it, Uh, but I'm not going to try to put that on you. Uh, (laughs) Just just throw it out there. Uh, But Basil the Great, I don't know if he was the one that started that nickname or not. (laughs) That would suck. Uh, But one of his greatest sermons, and it's a sermon called To the Rich, which is fire. It is wild. Um, But in it, he says this. He says, what injustice do I do, he says, as kind of a potential objector. If I keep what is mine, and Basil responds, tell me, what sorts of things are yours? What did you bring into this life, and whence did you receive it? Like, we, we want to say all these things are mine, and Basil's like, what did, what, did you, what, did you, what did you own before you got here? Wasn't your very life itself a gift You can say, oh, I've worked my way up through, you know, know, pull myself up by my bootstraps. How did you get those gifts to pull yourselves up by your bootstraps or whatever it may be? It's all a gift. It's all a gift. And Job says something similar. Job says in Job 31, he says, if I looked at all my possessions and I didn't share them with the poor, that would be a sin to be judged. Basil goes on and he says, the garment hanging in your wardrobe is the garment of him who is naked. The shoes that you do not wear are the shoes of the one who is barefoot. Oh, I remember seeing this quote a couple years ago, and it wrecked me. And I just looked at my front closet, and I saw all these shoes that our kids don't wear, that I don't wear, and coats that we don't wear, and I was like, It's just wasting away in here. They're not mine. They're the poor's, and I was happy to go. Yes, I'm going to apply this sermon, and I'm going to this this passage. I'm going to get rid of them, and it was it was a beautiful thing. I, but here, let me put a pin in that thought for a second. We like to think stuff like that is charity. To give to the poor is charity, meaning we can opt in when it feels right and we can opt out when it doesn't feel right. And what this passage is reminding us is that justice is not charity. Let's not mix those two things up. Justice is not charity because charity might be optional. Justice is not. And those things that are not actually ours belong to the poor. And so what Basil, Job, and Isaiah is saying is that there is no mine in the kingdom of God there is no mine in the kingdom of God. Now, when I heard that quote, like I said, I was like, sweet, get rid of all this stuff. Sanctification complete. And then over time, I've started to realize there's more things in my life that I do consider mine, not just the stuff in the front closet. Um, And one of those particularly is something that I love dearly, and it's my blue F-150 truck. It's just so great. great. It's a great vehicle. Now, if you ever own a truck, you know you don't tell people you own a truck <laughs> because the first question after this is, hey, can you help us move? <laughs> and uh, I've, I'm looking at some friends over here. Don't worry. Don't worry. Uh, I'm looking at some friends over here, and some of y'all, I've helped move. Um, no, they were good. They even asked, you don't have to drive. You, we'll just take your truck. <laughs> um But for a long time, I felt obligated as a pastor to say yes. I was like, yes, okay, I'll help you. This is a sin. So this is not a joke anymore. This is a sin of selfishness. And over time, God has revealed to me, prior to y'all asking, you're good. God has revealed to me that the bed of my truck that sits empty 99% of the week, like, that is a shame. That is not for me. I I look at it and I'm like, man, that should be used. And so now I look at it and I go, this is not my truck. This is your truck. And so, yes, thank you for asking. Ask again. And anyone else, right? Like, it's ours to be used. Because why? Like, it's not mine. These things that we have are gifts. They're gifts. All these things are not ours. They're the Lord's. And if they are gifts from the Lord's, then we can share it. But two, if we do jump in in, in in this view of justice, of that these things are not ours, it brings us to something even more beautiful, this, this, this word called shalom. And usually when we think of shalom, we just think of peace. But, but shalom is, is the end of what justice is working towards, right? That justice is working towards this, this, this beautiful community, this beautiful society. That's what shalom is. And when we have a community of people who invest in their community, who have the resources to give back to their community, oh, it's a beautiful thing. I mean, I, I see some of you who do that, who get back into your community, and it's inspiring. And that's what a just community is. It's when people who have, who have means and resources to give back to the community, to give back to the schools, to give back to the hospitals, to give their, their time, their energy, some energy it needs. There are resources. Oh, then you see a, a, a community having all the resources it needs and you see shalom. But the opposite is true. And I want us to see that the opposite of justice is not the evil kingpin who's who's trying to um, make a, 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 a sinful profit off the poor, though that's true and we, 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 we lament those who, who who try to do that. That, 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 that makes a, a giant tear in the fabric of shalom. But I want us to see it's not just some evil supervillain that does that. All it takes for shalom, for the fabric of shalom to be torn apart is for people to see their stuff as mine. So then when I do see my neighbor in need... When I do see a community in need, all we have to do is ignore it. All we have to do is look the other way because someone else will take care of that because that's not my thing. I've got my stuff over here that I'm worried about. That's, that's when we start to see the, a community is, is this, this fabric interwoven, interle- uh, interconnected, interlocking. That's when we see the fabric start to tear and to unravel apart. That's when we see communities pull themselves apart. And what what Job is saying, what Basil is saying, what Isaiah is saying is that when we ignore these communities, it's not just charity where we can opt in or opt out on. It's, It's injustice, and it's us robbing them of what they're due. And so justice is worship. Justice is social But lastly, I want to say justice is beauty. Because this is a heavy passage, and I can feel the weight. I can feel everyone going, oh, gosh, I feel so guilty, right? If justice is not beauty, it's not justice, right? So if justice turns itself into something ugly and something vindictive, that's not justice. Justice goes towards shalom, goes towards beauty, goes towards what we are all meant for. And so that's what we're talking about. And if I were to say, you know what, let me just give you guilt as a sermon, and some of y'all might be feeling that right now with this passage, because it is very heavy. If that's all it was, hey, that, that guilt is a great motivator. It'll, it'll get you the 10 yards out of, the, out, of the, out of the gate, but you are going to burn out so fast if guilt is all that drives you. Guilt might get you out of the gate, but you're going to burn out, you're going to flail out, and then ultimately, you're, you're going to become Israel, and you're going to go, Lord, we prayed. We jumped into these organizations and volunteered. Why aren't you blessing me? And God's going to go, depart from me. I never knew you. That's not what we want. So I don't want it to be guilt. Guilt is, is the worst thing I can give you right now. No, I, I do think what, what motivation will actually lead you for the long haul is not guilt, but beauty. Because God is saying that if you do justice... If you actually care for the poor, the hungry, and the oppressed, look at verse 14. Verse 14 is so beautiful. After all of this, he says, if you do all that, then you will find your joy in the Lord. And I will cause you to ride in triumph on the heights of the land and to the feast on the inheritance of your father, Jacob, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. God is saying, doing justice is not just a, a chore to check or a charity to participate in. No, like doing justice will bring you life. It will bring you life because this is what we were meant for. This is what our our beings were wired for. It's going to bring you joy that you ride in triumph on the heights of the land. I mean, ask anyone who volunteers and serves in an organization that it doesn't give back to them. Some of y'all, I'm so grateful. Some of y'all in this church serve so much. And some people might look at you and go, why? Are you crazy? You got up that early to serve? (sighs) And then you go, but you've not experienced it. You've not experienced the joy that it brings back to me in serving. Because there's something that happens when we finally take our eyes off of ourselves. It liberates us. It frees us to look outwards. And that's what we're trying to go about right here, is to free you from the prison of self-focus, free you from that prison of self-centeredness. This is what justice is ultimately gonna do. It's gonna bring you to that beauty of what that does. And the ultimate beauty I can give you, if you were to say, what's the anchor I can hold on to that will remind me of that beauty all the time? And I have to say, it has to be, it has to be Jesus himself. Because Jesus himself, when he looked down on the on earth and humanity and saw all the injustices and all, all the poverty and all the poor, he could have said, I'm just going to fix it with, with a wave of my hands from afar. But he doesn't do that. What does Jesus do? Jesus says, I don't want to do this from afar. I want to get up, up and close and personal with humanity. I want to be so close to the injustices in the poverty that I know it intimately, and when Jesus came, what did he? he came and he was born into a, a food trough, right? I mean, he he grew up in a world where he constantly had to live off of borrowed meals. I mean, Jesus was, for all intents and purposes, homeless. He says, "Foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head." Jesus knew poverty. I mean, he came into town on a borrowed donkey. He died and was buried into a borrowed tomb. Jesus experienced poverty. He experienced what it means to be poor. The God who has everything said, I'll take nothing. And not only did he experience poverty, he experienced injustices that we would not even, can't even comprehend. And some of us wonder, can anyone understand what I'm going through and this is what I want you to see, that the Lord of heaven and earth, the God who creates justice of what is right and wrong, had people perform such ugly injustices to him with these backdoor deals and these night, night dealings to bring Jesus in with this, this backdoor trial, this, this unjust uh, execution. And then they all spit on him and they whip him and they give him a crown of thorns. In these ugly, ugly ways, like the guy the, the one person who doesn't deserve any of this gets it all. And so when we look at this, you say, This is so unjust. I want us to be able to see it's not that Jesus just did that for you. I want you to see that Jesus has suffered with you. And so, whatever you're going through, you know you have a savior who suffered as well. Who doesn't say from afar, I hope you hope it goes well. He suffers with us. He knows what it's like. And because he knows what it's like, now you can look back on the cross and you can see the irony of the beauty of the cross because it is so unjust, but it makes you just. It is so ugly, but it, it fuels a beauty in us it says, I want to see the world remade whole anew again because of what Christ has done for me. And until you can look at the cross and see its beauty, our hearts are going to stay frozen cold for so long. Our hearts are only going to look inward and only look at ourselves. And so justice is all these beautiful things, all these things, but I want you to see the justice at its at at its base has to be beautiful, for us to look at the beauty of the cross, because beauty is not just gonna restrain your heart like guilt will, beauty is gonna transform your heart. And it's gonna make you want to do justice. It's gonna make you want to seek it out in people around us. And so for those of you who are suffering, I want you to see what Jesus has gone through with you, that he's gonna liberate you from that prison of self. And so justice isn't optional, justice isn't personal, Justice isn't guilt-driven. No, justice is worship. Justice is social. Injustice is beautiful. Right? Like, I want us to be able to see this. Like God is, is working through worship. Like it's not optional because we need to worship. We are wired for worship. We're created for it. We're also created for community. And justice is social and it binds us to each other in community. And we are created for joy and beauty, and justice is going to bring us to that shalom that we're all longing for. So, what do you need to take away with this? Well, first, if this is not present in your church, close the church. That's how essential justice is, right? Justice is worship. This is what it means for us to be a Christian to follow God. And so, the the, the so what for here? Uh, first, let's repent of the mine mindset. Oh, it's so hard to get out of our selfish world. I mean, our world is almost built to cater to you to be selfish. But to repent of the mine mindset. Is the stuff I have mine or is the Lord's? And if it's the Lord's, then what can I share? Is it, is it my coat? Is it my shoes? Is it the bed of my truck? Is it what is it for you? What, can we, what do we have that we can share that can actually do justice? And so second, jump in. Man, if this is that important to God, if justice is, a, is, is an act of worship, this is not something we should take lightly. And so where do you see the tears in the fabric? That's a good spot to, to start. Usually where you see the tears, and it might be in the education system, might be in the prison system, might be in the school system or whatever. It, where you see the tears and if that's what you see, maybe that's a place to jump in. We we, we created these uh, little flyers um, over here. I think they're in the front of your pews if they're not all been taken. Uh, we tried to give you some ways to make this real practical. Um, it's an act with mercy and justice flyer. Malcolm brought to my attention a couple weeks ago. <sighs> we misspelled the word justice. Oh gosh. By we, I mean me. Uh, <laughs> and so it says act with mercy and justice. Uh, so there you go. But you know what it means. Act with mercy and justice. Uh, so where do, you, where do you want to jump in? Uh, grab one of these. Pray about where you feel you could jump in. There's, there's multiple spots to jump in and act with mercy and justice. And if it's around the homeless ministry that this passage talks quite a bit about, um, we, we partner with Mission Waco, and there's something coming up in a month, October 20th, I believe. Uh, they're going to do a poverty simulation Ooh, to be able to simulate what does it feel like to be in poverty. I don't know what else would, would stir a heart towards justice than going through that, and I would love it if we could have like five people from Mosaic go on on that. That'd be awesome. And so we'll, we'll give you more information about that coming up, but if that seems too extreme, right? We have other ways you can jump in as well. Um, but lastly, so we said, repent of the my mind mindset, jump in. But lastly, let's pray that the God will just make us generous with our justice. I want us to be able to be eager to look for more ways to be just and not just find something to check off our list. We did that one thing that one time. I want us to be eager to constantly be thinking through ways to look to Act with mercy and justice in all spheres of our lives because I think it's going to become contagious. It's not a a chore to check, right? As we said before, I think it's actually good for our mental health. It actually releases the serotonin. releases something beautiful in us that says this is what we were made for. God has wired us for this. God has wired you for for community. And I want us to all be a part of that. I want you to be able to taste how good that tastes. And so let's do that. Let me pray for us.